Nick, thanks for coming back on the Dark Waters. How are you? Absolutely fantastic, brother. Thanks for asking. Now, you were on the water all day today, correct? Yeah, I, uh, I felt like getting my butt kicked, so I created an uh, unrealistic challenge for myself. <laughs> is there gonna be is there gonna be video footage of this? Uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You guys will get to see me catch uh, three fish. Oh, nice. This sounds exciting. Um, <laughs> there's a whole bunch. Of, there's a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about, but I just want to ask you this real quick, since you, you know you did just come off the water. What do you travel with when you decide to do these things? Do you have like a a set team of uh, camera guys that follow you? Um, on and off. Uh, so my father's the primary, primary videographer for the show locally. So when I'm at home, it's my father that travels with me for the most part. Um, and then if I'm doing, um, company related, for example, Savage Gear, Headbanger, P-Line, um, oftentimes they prefer their own videographer and then they'll travel with me, um, to those particular shoots. Uh, but now I'm actually trying to do like uh, more cut down raw formats where I just strap GoPro to my chest and whoever else I'm fishing with on my research days. So okay. I'm kind of I want to create more content for people, but I'm always so busy uh, doing spokes gig work and doing product testing and development and stuff that people aren't getting to see a lot of this. So I figured, you know what, why not freaking strap a GoPro to my chest right. again and do this? old school brass tack sort of ways and give people some raw uh, video footage. And that's something I just started doing recently again. So that's actually what I did today. Oh, cool. Nice, nice, nice. All right, cool, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Like I've been, uh, you know, the season in New York's pretty much over. Uh, I just got done with hunt season. So now it's just like, I'm in my, uh, you know, my man cave, my workshop. I don't, know, that makes, I don't know, Josh, maybe you sound scared, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I might be a little scared. I don't it's do. Probably, I don't do. It's probably frozen. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's. It's weird because it's not a. It's not a. The winter hasn't really set in like it normally does. Like it's. The water's in that weird. Like it's ice, but don't don't go playing on that stuff. Um, oh yeah, slushy but, uh, town, huh? Yeah, slushy. Uh, you know, it snows one day. The next. You know, right now I'm looking at like grass top coming through the snow. So it's just. It's just weird. I don't know if it's because of that El, La, La Nina thing going on out there in the Pacific or what. but uh, You know but what it, you ought to try, bro? What I always fantasized about doing for really, really thin ice, I want to see somebody take like a punching rig like you use on the California Delta yeah. or Okeechobee and punch the ice with their jig, get a largemouth out of that slushy and pop them through the ice. That's a video I want to see. It has to be possible. Yeah, it has to. I'll look, I'll look into it for it, but I'm sure it's been done. The guys up here in New York are crazy. Like, uh, just two weeks ago, they were out there with their uh, their paddles just breaking through the ice and getting into these, getting into open water. And I'm just like, I, I don't know, maybe it's just the Florida still in me telling me that's just not the thing to do. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I, I'll definitely try it out. I live close enough to the lake where, I don't know, maybe maybe worth recording for you. <laughs> That'd be freaking epic. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to try that. I, I just picture throwing a punch rig 10 foot in the air smashing through a sheet of ice shaking it on the bottom and yanking a bass out and sliding them across some ice yeah. well, you know i saw a video not too long ago of someone uh it was i think it was a top water lure but whatever he was using like a top water lure he was dragging it across the ice and all of a sudden you see just poof, 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 coming through the ice trying to get it 
Um, oh, that, that was uh, that was pretty intense. I don't I don't know what the conditions got to be for that to happen, but that would be uh, something to see in person. I did see Dean Rojas catch a bass on a frog in 46 degree water one time. Yeah, on a frog. On a frog. That was that 2007 Bassmaster Classic that uh, Boyd Duckett won. <laughs> you never know, <laughs> man. <laughs> when in doubt, I guess just throw a frog. I don't know. Well, Dean Rojas is like the most famous old school frog angler. Yeah. And uh, I guess I guess when you got that much faith in something, man. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. But, uh, Insane, yeah. honey. Yeah, but so, yeah, I'm going through my stuff. I'm getting ready for next year, and uh, I'm really trying to uh, figure out what I want to do as far as, uh, you know, like my gear. I'm, I'm, I'm changing my gear up uh, this year. You know, I learned a lot of things, and so I want to change things up. You know, yeah. I bought into the sticks. I got every single one, and I double up on some of them as well. So awesome, that's, what I'm go- that's, what, that's what I'm going with for the first part of the year just because it made sense for me, like, where I was at and, you know, some of the things that happened. I'm like, I'm kind of like you, or at least I buy into the idea of, like, I don't need a thousand Pacific rods. I just need a few rods that I can be versatile with. that can help me get the job done. Cause it was just, it was getting ridiculous. Like the last few years, like, uh, <laughs> just, just I'm, I'm like, looking at my, I'm like, what am I doing? And, and just like, you know, I'm a kayak angler too. So it's not like, you know, like what, what I have is what I'm limited. This is what I'm limited to. I don't have Absolutely. the boat to put all this stuff. So, you know, six to eight rods is what I take out. So, you know, I'm going more versatile with my rods, but you know, I'm also trying to figure out, and, you know, exactly what I want to do with these rods as far as, uh, you, know, you know, something that's really big to me is what I really wanted to emphasize, even though I know we'll talk about some other stuff. But it's like, you know, picking picking the right line for the for the rod, for the right, you know, for the right purpose. And that's, you know, and trying to be versatile with that, you know, having six, eight rods and, you know, having the, you know, the the line and the things that I need to get the job done. You know, it, it, it's tricky. I'm downstairs like, you know, and I know you know this, but like fishing line's not cheap. And no. when you change your mind on something, that's a twenty, that's a twenty to eighty dollar, you know, decision that you just made, you know, depending on what you already have on and things like that. So I'm, not, I'm just working through some stuff. And uh, I was watching one of your videos, you know, about sticks, and you were going through like the whole. Your, it was actually your video, but you're talking about you're, you're going through your whole setup, but you're using the sticks lineup. And I'm like, okay, that's that's a good place. That's a good thing that I could use. Not necessarily talk about sticks rods, but talk about like the setups that you have going through. You know, everything from a finesse. And working your way up through the reaction all the way until we get to like the uh, you know the heavy setups and stuff like that uh-huh. and try to figure out you know you know some some of the tricks and I know there's a lot of people like me out there who are still kind of we're not dedicated to some rod company or uh, a certain type of you know we're not we're not we're not, we're, we're, we're all just trying to figure this thing out so I figured well I'll talk yeah. for him and we'll, we'll go through his rod setups kind of like how you did I'll, in that I'll, video I'll tell you right like this Josh okay now yeah sticks is my company but I'll tell you this guys if you can't afford to buy my rods you may have stuff laying around at home that may be similar to each one of our sticks rods lineups and you could assemble this same sort of thing if you can't afford it i get it i I totally get it i have been there but look at go to sticksfishing.com and what what josh is talking about is the system i developed it's a set of six rods all very versatile rods to cover all, all the generalized techniques and lures you need in regards to bass fishing. So it's like you start at the finesse stick. It's a seven foot six medium light. All right. Now, why would you say, oh, that's a long rod? OK, I needed versatility in this. I primarily run six pound fluorocarbon on this rod and I can explain why. 
Yeah, that's what I really wanted to hear talk about that because that's something that I'm. Uh-huh. Uh, well, I'll break it down. Like, we'll start with the finesse route you're talking about. Yeah. You know, like I, I come from the or not the world, but like for for years now I've been using um, you know, um, I'm sorry, braid to leader um yeah. for a while now um and you know I, I usually I was usually a shorter rod but where you I'm using the rod that you have now so uh it's a little longer than what I'm used to but I'm still kind of curious like why you decide to go to uh just straight fluoro uh when um the, the talk on the town is all about uh braid to leader you know floral leader six pound leader uh-huh. um me, me me like I have like mixed feelings about it like I like the uh the feeling I get from braid yeah but I don't like I don't like tying on a, a leader that much anymore, um, and, <laughs> and, but I do fish in some pretty uh, big, deep, clear lakes, you know, some of the finger lakes. Mm-hmm. So I understand that, like, you can't just go drop shotting a uh, braid, straight braid down there and expect to be successful. So I'm um, moving. You know what, George? Towards- this is actually this is a great thing because you brought up things being cost effective. Mm-hmm. And this is actually one of those subjects that cost is involved and user ability like. What's user-friendly? So I'll explain the whole braid to fluorocarbon thing right now. And there's a lot of misconception rolling around that. For example, if you fish in a lake that is never never has any better visibility than eight foot deep, you can use braid to fluorocarbon 100% of the year. That is absolutely fine. Um, if budget-wise, if money is tight, you need to be fishing braid to fluorocarbon. Um, if you fish in areas where the weather in the wintertime is consistently below 30 degrees, you need to be fishing braid to fluorocarbon. And let me cover each one of these things and why. So in my experiences, I get to fish very, very often. Um, I have high-level line sponsorships. I work for these guys. Uh, They employ me. Luckily, I've been in this industry long enough uh, to where I have that privilege. I know 99% of the fishing industry does not have this privilege. So what I really want you to think about is what's cost-effective first to you. And the reason why I say this is because you need to take a lot of risk to get a lot of rewards in bass fishing. And if you're concerned about constantly breaking off or ruining line, you're hesitant. Therefore, you're not snagging. You're not bragging. You're not <laughs> backlashing. You're not. You're not smacking. You know, it's you have to take some risks. So, braid is going to last you multiple years on a spool. Okay. Um, let's say this: I fish four to five days a week, sometimes more. I can use a spool of braid a whole season. So I want you to think about that. Divide that into how often you fish. Um, Now listen to this. This is a whole season. Then at the end of that season, I will take my leader off and I will loosen the drag all the way or open that spool and I will take that braid and I will spool it back onto another reel. Therefore, the braid I've been using is going to be at the bottom of that spool and the braid that was at the bottom of my spool is now going to be at the top of this spool Therefore, I can get two full years out of it. Any person that fishes less than 10 times a month should be able to fish a spool of braid for four to five years mm-hmm. unless they get some really bad backlash, okay? So now, that being said, what are the difficulties? The difficulties are your leader. 
your FG knot, your uni to uni knot coming through guides, ticking, or braid giving you uh, tip wraps. So you get a braid knot around the tip of your rod, you cast into the wind. Um, let me give you some things you can do to combat this. Your tag in on your knot when it's hitting through your guides. I want you to think about this. How much line do you cast out? So Josh, like when you make a long cast with a spinning setup, how, how far do you think you're casting? Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe a hundred feet. Yeah. Yeah. hundred. Yeah. Maybe 60, 75 feet. Yeah. So your line's really slowing down about that point at, at let's say you stuck a hundred foot of fluorocarbon on top of your braid. All right. Now, this is what's referred to as top shot. This is not a leader. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason why I want you to do this is because your uni knot or your leader knot is never going through the guides. Right. It's not going through the guides. Um, what The only time your knot's going to go through those guides is if you get a fish that's strong and he's taking drag on you. Another reason for this, let's say you get break-offs. Yeah, you only break off a few feet of line. You're not shortening a 10-foot leader, shorter, shorter, shorter. Now you got to tie on a new leader, and you're essentially working with 100% fluorocarbon again. Mm -hmm. Now let's say you get in a situation where you want to fish really, really deep, and you want more sensitivity. I fish straight fluorocarbon down to 90 feet deep drop shot in Northern California, guys. I have the sensitivity, but if you want the sensitivity, run 50 foot of top shot. A filler spool is going to redo your whole spool of line. I don't know, 50 times, even if you use that much length of line. So therefore, your cost is greatly reduced, and you still have that braid on the back to where run a longer leader than normal. If you have like a six to eight foot leader, it's generally just getting in the top of your spool, and you're going to hear that every time you cast. It's hitting your guides. In my opinion, I honestly think it's fracturing a lot of ceramic or glass guides. I really do. I've noticed that in the past where I fish, where I have a leader, it seems like occasionally inserts inside the guides tend to fracture more often. I may be wrong. It's just something I've noticed. But right. that is crazy cost effective. Crazy cost effective. You can fish a long time by doing that. So when... Josh refers to a leader. I'm generally thinking something, you know, eight foot and right. less. That's a pain in the ass. Excuse my language. No, it's 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 a guard word. You say what you want. <laughs> it is. Let's say you set the hook, and your knot fails. All right. Uh, then you break your whole leader off. You got to retie on a whole leader. Generally, by the time you set the hook with a hundred foot of top shot, you're fighting them strictly on the fluorocarbon, anyways. Right. So where there is no leader to break off or you get snagged and you break off six feet of it. You still got a, uh, what, 94? Heck, I'm not that good at subtraction, apparently. You know, you still have plenty <laughs> of line left to retie on another bait and go. Fishing's about efficiency. Right. So cost-effective-wise, that is the way to do it. Um, now, another pain in the butt, and the reason why I said use top shot because that's that real long leader that all you're fishing with is the leader. Pretty much all you're casting with is the leader. You're generally never working with your braid unless a fish yanks drag out on you. Now, you generally don't have to deal with wind knots from braid. 
dealing with that too. So that's what uh, you gain by using Top Shot. So where if you want to fish, if you say, hey, I would like to fish 100% fluorocarbon, fishing a 100-foot Top Shot is fishing 100% fluorocarbon with braid backer. Right. So, and, but it's way more cost effective. Yeah. Yeah. Because fluoro can get expensive. Very. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. So that's really what you want to keep in mind. Um, if you want the sensitivity, so where braid knots happen on a rod is generally like wind slack gets in between your line. So what happens is when you cast, you weren't slowing your spool down when it hit the when it made impact with the water, or you set the hook and the fish wasn't there. Set it and your rod tip swung back at the braid, and it ties that knot yeah. around the tip. So one thing you never want to do is let that fasten. The moment you notice a wind knot on there, you strictly want to pinch the loops and pull them towards the tip of your rod. Between your fingers, slide those loops towards the end of the rod. Take your pinkies, take your index finger and your thumb and slide those loops towards the tip of the guide. And generally that wind knot will slip back over that. Do not start reeling. Whatever you do, if you get a wind knot, you start reeling that, that's death. Right. <laughs> it kills it. So let me ask, because uh, why did you go, why do you like using a uh, like a 7.6 for that, that kind of finesse rod? That was, uh, like, I'm, I'm trying out, like, you know, it's growing on me, but, uh, like, like one of the, I guess one of the things I do with my drop shot, I do a lot of, uh, yeah. what do you call it, video game. Vertical. Yeah, like, I mean, that's what I do. That's all I use a drop shot for. I like using other things for other purposes, but, uh, you know, fishing some of the deeper bodies of water, I'm using my, my fish finder, I find them, drop it right on top of them. I kind of liked having that, um, you know, like a 6, 8, you know, 7, because I, I felt like it gave me, you know, a, you know, a certain kind of hook set that just, just felt better. But, you know, why did you decide to go, you know, with a, with a longer finesse rod? So I want you to look at the extreme of this, Josh. Let's mm -hmm. imagine you have a 10-foot rod, and let's imagine you have a 3-foot ice rod. Okay. Which one do you think is going to do better vertical fishing for video game fishing for you? In that case, I would say that the, the longer rod. The longer rod. Okay, but why? I don't know. I don't do a lot of ice fishing. Rod? That three-foot rod just seems abnormally weird. Yeah. It so, shouldn't exist. When I, it shouldn't exist, yes. Um, unless you're fishing through a little hole straight over the right, top right. of them. Um, I look at it like this when you're using light line you have to use your drag and you want a rod with cushion mm -hmm. i don't have you ever seen people when they're jigging or they go to set the hook and their rods at like 12 o'clock and they're in a horrible position with the yeah. rod straight up reeling yeah a longer rod moves more line with less movement of the lift of the rod if you get what i'm saying so okay. if you imagine, imagine like a six foot rod, I mean, imagine like a six inch rod with a line hanging off and that six inch rod goes to 12 o'clock. How much line moved? Very little. Now imagine a six foot rod with that same amount of line and that six foot rod goes up to 12 o'clock. How much line moved? Quite a bit. And right. it's about how much line and pressure you can put on that fish while having a softer taper of the rod. So therefore, a longer rod, you can cast farther. It's more sensitive. You can pick up line faster. It's harder for a fish to throw a hook 
on a longer rod too, because that fish essentially has to create more slack in a longer amount of pressure. So if you have that little six inch rod, it's easy for a fish to create slack versus mm -hmm. that six foot rod. It's very difficult for that fish to create slack. And the reason why I like the seven foot six medium light is the fact that nowadays all of our lines are low stretch. Uh, we're talking just now about braid to fluorocarbon. When rods were developed 10 years ago, Josh, these these rods were being developed all around monofilament. Rod, right. uh, these lines had nearly 25 to 35% stretch on average. So I'm talking about 100 foot. So you go 100 foot away from me, Josh, you grab that bait and you take off running. The reason why these dang rods had to be so stiff, it's you're, it's there's too much stretch. Right. So now a longer rod and a rod with more give, more taper, a softer rod is critical because we have high performance lines. What really drives me crazy is when you're looking at a picture on Instagram and someone posts a fish picture and their lures in their mouth and you could see a tear mark where they set the hook. Right. Or you see like a bigger hole where that hook was or that little Ned rig cut a big old hole. That rod is way too stiff. And what they don't realize when they post that is all I can think about as an experienced guy is, man, this guy must lose a ton of fish. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's all I can see. And that's why I use the longer rod. Um, you can cast lighter stuff easier. Essentially, a fly rod's very long. You cast these very light uh, very lures true. with weighted lines. Um, you can hook set a lot easier. So you get more versatility more range, more sensitivity, and easier hook sets at deep, at farther distance or deeper depths. Okay. So that is why the finesse stick exists. When I developed the finesse stick, that's the number one in the sticks lineup, guys. So it's a seven foot six, medium light, moderate fast taper. That means bending up just beyond the middle all the way through. Real soft tip on the rod. I had Ned rigs in mind. I had weightless, wacky trick worms in mind, super light. Um, like spy baiting in mind when I was developing this, uh, all little tiny techniques, real small underspins, uh, float and fly. I had all the really light stuff in mind developing this rod, and that's why it's really good at all that stuff. Very rarely can you pick up a setup and take a six-inch weightless trick worm on a size two hook and throw it 90 feet. On the right. finestic, you can. There's no rod that you could do that with that's seven foot and make that distance of a cast. It's just not happening. They're right. either too stiff or they're just not long enough. And when do we use finesse stuff? When it's harder, when we do have yeah. to make longer casts, when we do have to slow down. True. Now going yeah. into the, uh, the second rod, the hybrid, what was the thoughts behind that? I understood the, um, you know, for the three, uh, mm -hmm. but the, the two, it's a little shorter than the actual finesse rod of uh, the, uh, the first finesse rod. Um, and I think your setup is similar to the same as far as uh, the fishing line that you use on. I think it was what uh, six pound. Eight pound. It was, oh no, it's, that's right. It was a it was eight pound fluoro instead of uh, six pound fluoro. Um, correct. Now, now, now eight pound fluoro, you start running into like uh, memory issues, correct? You can. Uh, so what happens is if you have a lot of line memory, that typically means your drag is too tight. Okay. That means you're creating too much stretch in the line when you're pulling hard. Um, one thing you can do to combat, 
combat line memory, if you notice your line's been stretched a lot, um, you could take your lure off, drive the boat, or if you're on the bank, it's a little bit more difficult to do this. Uh, but let all of your line out on your reel, all the way to the bottom of the spool. And once you get about 50 foot of line out, it, even with no lure on the end of your line, you'll be able to stretch it back out and just keep going, keep going, and get that back out of there. If you're noticing a lot of curly cues, that means your line was put under so much pressure that it was almost reaching the failing point. There, it's like you or I, Josh, if, if someone hung a 500-pound weight off the side of our hand, off the side of a bridge, it's going to start tearing ligaments, and right. our arm's not going to perform correctly. Gotcha. Yeah. So if that's what happens, unless it's really cold, uh, fluorocarbon becomes more dense below 30 degrees. Uh, so therefore it's much harder to work with. This is why you're going to hear a lot of guys talk about, uh, mono or braid to fluorocarbon leaders, right. uh, when it's really, really cold. The only issue is, uh, your braid kind of starts getting icy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Braid does not do good early spring here. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, monofilament lines, uh, can be good around that time, um, as well. Uh, one thing you can do is you know try to try to keep your reel warmer uh one thing which is really really weird that i seen one of my buddies doing on an icy day was actually dipping his reel dipped it fast yeah and I, and it just and everything worked again but then it iced over again and i'm like oh man that's brutal <laughs> yeah so now what, what was your ride because like that, that so far that's like my favorite rod i think out of all and that's the one i had the most that's the first one i bought a little over a year ago um I use it to me. That's that's what I use for my wacky rig. That's what I use for. Uh, I'll do I'll do uh, my shaky heads on it. For some reason, I just I love that setup. Yeah, it's a it's a seven foot two medium power spinning setup, and this is also uh, mod fast bending, not right in the very tip, but it has a little bit more cushion. And the reason why this rod was developed is the most common question I've got through all the years doing this, is what's the first bass fishing rod I should own? And I used to tell people a seven foot six medium power spinning rod with eight pound fluorocarbon. That's what you should own because you could throw a wacky rig Senko on it. But every rod I always found was like a little too fast action, a little too stiff, a little too short. It was like a six, six or a six, 10. And even seven foot, I find to be a little bit too short. And a lot of people think rod length is associated to how tall a person is. That's horseshit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it has nothing to do with it. Um, I've got buddies that are super short uh, that fish longer equipment than me because they know the benefits. Um, a longer rod is more expensive to make, too, guys. So um, when you see a rod that's shorter and someone's trying to explain this to you what it is, it's cost effective for them as well. A longer rod's more expensive. It's more components. Um, it's more fragile the longer you go. It's higher end. It's cost. It's costly. Right, right. So at seven foot two, what you get with that, and the reason why it's a little bit stronger than the number one, is because a lot of the finesse fishing you do is Texas rigged. It's weed guarded, shaky heads, um, or slightly heavier, like Senko style bait, slightly heavier, or uh, a small football jig that you're going to put a hula grub on and drag or you want to throw an underspin out there and you need to get it down deep you still need to throw it on spinning gear this is that next step up from the finesse stick to cover 
a little bit more of your power finesse presentations. Um, it's also extremely versatile for a person that's just getting into bass fishing because you could still Ned rig, you could still wacky rig on the number two, but performance wise, the number one is going to outfish it with the ultra finesse stuff. Mm -hmm. um, performance wise, much better. You're going to get more range, better hook set. But once you get into the more power finesse, your heavier, your weed guarded finesse stuff, right? Um, that's where that rod's really going to excel. If you're pond fishing or bank fishing, the number two is a hundred percent must have. If I went to a bank anywhere right now, um, in the winter, I would have the number two and the number three. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I fish. I mean, I fish Makaya, but I fish, I fish a lot of grass, a lot of shallow, like you know, flats and stuff like that, and. The yeah. the number two has been like just that with a wacky rig it's just been a killer for me like I I've had so much success with that uh, especially last season um it's it, I mean it, it really is like my go to uh whatever power finesse ride whatever you want to call it yeah it it is it, it is kind of like a power finesse that's that's a great description of it uh, we call it the hybrid spin and the reason why we call it the hybrid spin is we believe it's the most versatile spinning setup designed. Yeah. Um, and if anybody hears me saying that and they question it, I spent two years and 10 months developing these rods and almost bankrupt my family. Message my wife on Facebook and see how happy she was about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I fish I fish nearly every day, guys. Uh, I've been doing this. I, I work with the best of the best. And, you know, this this was a system that I wanted. Um, I own shoot. I don't even know how many rods, probably around 200. Um, that I pretty much don't use anymore that I donate to these boys and girls clubs. Um, but I needed versatility. And when people say, you know, six rods is not enough to compete. Well, if you're competing, if you're like me, I actually own three sets of my system. So I own three sets of sticks. So, you know, the, the three sets of the six rods, I always have six, my stick set on the deck. And I have another set in the rod locker. And I'll tell you why. Um, when you get versatility, you need to do different things. For example, the heaviest stick on our lineup is the power stick. I throw HUD-style baits, pulse tail-style baits, Alabama rigs. I punch on it. Sometimes I need to do two or three of those things right. in the same day or on the same lake. And that's why I have multiple of that rod. When you pick up different builds of rods and say, oh, I throw a glide bait on this normally... And, but I also throw a glide bait on this one. Ergonomically, it's going to feel different to you and wrong. I love knowing that I can pick up this exact rod for my A-rig, exact rod for my punching, exact rod for my big boot tail swim bait. And I have all the confidence to go. I know the exact feel. I know how that rod loads up. So performance-wise, it's huge for me. Yeah. So anyhow, yeah. we skipped number three. <laughs> Did we? Okay, so number three. Number three is a very important rod to me. I didn't realize how much I was going to be using it. Until I put a square bill on it, and it changed, and I'm like, all right, this is the, this is the perfect rod. But I use a lot of stuff for that rod. Um, uh -huh. it's it, 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 it's a game changer. Um, yeah, I go, I, I, I use, I think I use a 12 pound floor on it. You know, obviously a 731 ratio gear, but uh, yeah. it's just a, it's a workhorse. Uh, the, uh, you know, I used to think that I needed a, um, you know, a, a ultra sensitive, uh, whatever glass tip. Rod, whatever uh -huh. for for uh you know my square bill or whatever um but that rod does everything i need to do like and it, it feels good too and not only that but i can put a cinco on it i can do like 
some power fishing Absolutely. with that. And I think I think it's just one of the uh, the better rod, or like I said, the most versatile rod I think in that uh, collection right now. It is. So the this is the number three. This is the first bait caster in the lineup, guys. So listen, like uh, Josh and I are talking about right here, if you can't afford the rods, match it up to what you already have. Um, save yourself some money for now. It's a seven foot medium power mod fast taper again. Now, the reason why you're going to hear me talk about mod fast taper, it's the hardest taper to build for rods. And it was very important because a moderate fast taper allows you the ability to pinpoint a cast um, and at the same time not overly wrench on a fish um, to where it allows the fish's head to turn. That's the part I like the most about it because that that was a problem I had because you were saying something earlier about, um, you know, when you see someone posting the picture and you see the mouth of the fish and it's got the big holes, you know, and so – I was losing a lot of fish with uh, the, my last rod. It was more like it was, it was closer to a medium heavy, but yeah, think, yeah it was medium heavy. But whatever, like whenever I would hook a fish, I would lose a lot of them because I, you know, and then you would see why when because the ones I did catch were like look at their their mouth, like you know I, I gave them I gave them like a second mouth or something like they just like just holes <laughs> all over. I'm just like Jesus. And then you know I started using that and I changed my hook set just a little bit. I quit I quit hook you know like really forcing it like more just more of just a turn and turn into them and. Because of that, I guess the stretch, or I'm sorry, the uh, the bend in the rod, like the, the moderate action, um, and also I switched to fluoro, so I guess the fluoro helped beef it up just a little bit, I think. And uh, yeah. I, I started having a better, uh, you know, catch ratio. I wasn't losing fish near as much as I did with my other rod. And I think it had a lot to do with that moderate action that I that I, that I, that I switched to. Oh, absolutely. Um, and probably what it is when when you hear Josh say uh, medium heavy. This is the power of the rod, not how the rod bends. Um, so you can have an extra heavy rod with a moderate taper, which means bending in the middle, or a slow taper means bending beyond the middle. Um, and even though your rod can be super strong and throw heavy stuff, it's less likely to tear holes through that fish. And I think a lot of the rod's actions are too fast, meaning there's not enough bend. There's right. not enough cushion in the rod. We had all these developments in lines and not nearly the amount of development in fishing rods uh, took place at that time. And this this is why I had the demand uh, for this to happen. So the number three is is fantastic. You could throw a lot of the same stuff that you throw on the number two, the spinning setup. Um, but now with a slightly shorter at seven foot, you can pinpoint targets uh, very accurately, like throw a square bill exactly where you need it you could still throw it a long ways with that softer taper too like a lot of people throw like 1.5 square bills or the rc 1.5 and most people on a normal bait casting setup maybe throw that bait 70 75 feet um right now on the reaction stick i gear i mean on the hybrid number three i guarantee you i could throw that 95 to 105 consistently on 12 pound fluorocarbon and what most people don't realize is the longer you throw a crankbait, the more depth control, the sooner you get down there. Therefore, your efficiency is a lot better uh, yeah. to catch them at the exact same time. Yeah. yeah, so I don't have too many questions about that rod because I, I pretty much use the same setup that you were talking about. I think the, yeah. the 12 the 12-pound fluoro, like I said, that's one of my favorite rods right now. I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to using that again next year. Um, but the uh, the next rod is the one I got a lot of questions about. Uh, this the uh, the reaction rod, the the number yeah the number four, 
It's a hard mm-hmm. rod. It's been a hard rod for me to like really get into just because it, it changed the way I fish a lot. Um, <laughs> and not just, just that, but just like, you know, listening to you and some other people and like the way, you know, throwing chatter baits, throwing medium crank baits, throwing, uh, mm-hmm. throwing, um, you know, I, I like a lot of lipless crank baits. And, uh, it, cause, cause the thing is like, it's like, I, I'm, I love the, uh, I throw a lot of stuff that a lot of people would throw on the reaction. I throw it also on the, uh, the, the fifth, you know, the surface one. Cause for uh-huh. some reason there, there's something I just love a medium heavy. Uh, but I'm learning, I'm getting better with the reaction. Cause like we go back to like, like not beating the fish up and having a better hookup ratio is what I'm learning with the, uh, the, you know, with the reaction stick that, that we're about to get into. Cause I think that, that, that changed the way I fish cause it changed my hook set. And it's, it's, it showed me what I was doing wrong and like how, you need to be a little easier on these bass sometimes. You can't just be ripping their faces off. I know ripping lips sounds fun. It sounds good. But <laughs> when you lose fish during a tournament because of, you know, the way that, that, that rod bends, I think it, you know, in whatever, um, you know, it changes. So this, this is the reaction stick as much as I was kind of not really against it, but I was kind of hesitant with it. It, it kind of it changed the way I fish and I think kind of made me a better angler, I think. Now, I'll tell you what. Um... What I find, so the reaction stick, guys, um, if you're if you're cl- trying to clone what we got going right here, which is great for you, it's a seven foot six, uh, medium heavy, uh, moderate taper. This moderate. is a the moderate taper. Part. Yeah, it's it's much softer. Um, you could throw like your three eighths ounce to three quarter up to an ounce, just fine. You could throw it a country mile. I throw like big deep diving crankbaits. I can throw them just. Re- ridiculously far on the reaction stick i throw chatterbaits ridiculously far um i also flip with that i flip my uh half ounce and down i flip with that rod uh it's got a real soft taper it allows me to just bow up on fish that are inside mats um the lighter sparser vegetation um it's an also great carolina rig setup um it's fantastic for that also your smaller glide baits like your uh, seven inch and under glide baits, the reaction stick is also a phenomenal setup for that because you need to be able to throw them far and you need to be able to do big sweeping hook sets on yeah. glide baits. So that rod right there tends to land into where more of your experienced guys come in. Uh, like deep cranking is not often something a lot of, uh, you know, beginner or novice crankbait guys uh, do. Um, you know, more of the square bill, they stay around the bank. And Carolina rigging's more of an offshore thing. Deep cranking's kind of an offshore thing. So this is something you're going to get into, but this is this is absolutely a must-have setup. And I, I think the reason why is a lot of guys that are in kayaks don't typically power fish as much as boat anglers do. Right. And, and that's it's much more of a power fishing setup. Um, the reason why I like the longer setup like that is I get a chatterbait down there in the grass from long ways away. I need to be able to rip it out of the grass. So that longer length of a rod's fantastic or yo-yoing a, a rattle trap, you know, out there at a long range or dropping a blade bait or an LV 500 down to the bottom in 30 foot of water and yo-yoing it back up. That seven foot six just lands me a hell of a lot more fish. And that moderate taper, it is very, very hard for fish to get off the reaction stick. Oh yeah. Like I said, that, that's what I was really getting at. Like, was the tape, like the moderate, I mean, that, that's just, um, I don't know. It, it it made catching fish a lot easier for me. What I was trying to do. I think I finally matched up the uh, the right bait to the right rod when I, when when I started using that. Yeah, you'll get the hang of it. Um, it's definitely uh, a rod that I think 
in the sticks lineup that um, more more novice anglers will be like at first like whoa how do I use this thing but then they'll realize like if you don't have it you are going to fumble with a large category of bass baits that you're gonna want to learn a lot right. of those big baits like I'm talking about um, get you over in competitions you start competing you'll realize you need that uh you know those the 10 xd you need to be able to throw that or the you know the, the big deeper divers the bombers the rapala flat sides you're going to need this stuff uh yeah. to get competitive you know you're going to need to be able to fish a, a half ounce chatterbait down deeper yeah. you're going to you're going to need all these options yeah you know so now what what size line do you use uh when you're using this because I, I think you said you're was it 15 or 17 that you're going with either one's okay um if you have dirty water in your lake or your lakes and you're consistently fishing dirtier water um i would say 17 um that way you can throw it in around heavier stuff and feel more confident like you're going to get your lures back um if you live in an area of the country where a lot of your lakes you could see deeper than 10 feet fairly often i would say fish 15 okay yeah i know that, that, that that rod's slowly becoming one of my favorites but it's just taking me a while to figure out like, you know, how to work a fish on something, you know, because like I said, I've been using medium heavies for a lot of these jobs, you know, a lot of these different techniques for a while now. And not, uh-huh. not just medium heavy, but fast, a little bit more fat, you know, faster action. Um, yeah. The moderate action, kind of, it just, it, it was a game changer once I figured out how to use it. Um, oh, absolutely. So the next rod is my favorite rod. Uh the surface rod the uh the number five, number five. <laughs> like I, I i know i still use a chatterbait with it i got two of them i got two of the number fives i got one's more of a, a chatterbait uh like, like ripping through grass and things like that because you know your your tip is a lot softer than a lot of other fast actions that i've noticed and that, that might just be something you, that because you've already talked about why you you like those mm-hmm. softer tips but it's like I, I noticed that compared to my other medium heavy you know fast action yours still has a softer tip than, uh, than most of them I'm used to, but I, I love using a chatterbait with it. I love using the spinner baits with it. I love, I love fishing grass and like those rods. Just, there's something oh, perfect yeah. about there's something perfect about your 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 medium heavy fast that you know I, just, I, I like I like the bend in it. A uh, great ride. I can I get out. Of, you know, I can just pull through the grass. And now I love it for the. the and you got to touch me about this because this is this is definitely a game changer for me. I also started using the frog on it, which I would never have done in the past. Um, yeah, I, I believe frogs should be thrown on heavy action, you know, 65 pound <laughs> braid. Uh, but I, you know, I, t- I remember, I think I talked to you about this early on before you even came to the podcast, like why you did that or why, you, why, why do you promote using the frog on it? And you told me, and, and I started doing, it, I'm like, I'm like, holy shit, this is uh this is working. This is uh this, you know, it, it, it does. So you can, I'll, I'll let you talk about the surface rod because I'm just rambling about my personal experience with them, but uh, I, I do use it a lot and has a lot, it has a, it's, a, it's a workhorse for me. So uh, what um, a lot of your, listeners are probably from the east coast i'm assuming uh if you guys know i i cut my teeth in the fishing industry on the california delta and this is known as the frog mecca and uh a lot of people don't know i, I was a uh, i was casting champion skipping champion at some field and stream contests a long time ago in the past in fact me and gerald swindle are supposed to have a skipping challenge uh in the it's soon to come here i called him out at icast a couple <laughs> of years ago and i'm going to call him out again because uh i've released videos of skipping and i love to skip i skip jigs i skip frogs backhand pitch skips you name it and so when you talk about the surface stick the number five it's a seven foot four fast 
medium heavy, almost heavy. So this is why it's a great frog rod. Most people think like a medium heavy is not powerful enough or a heavy is too powerful for a frog. I'll tell you what, I when I'm casting a frog, that frog is doing 90 miles an hour to my target. I am skipping it through the thickest of stuff. Uh, on the surface stick, I have, I've caught, not even exaggerating, multiple thousands of bass over five pounds, ripping them through trees. I've boat flipped three over 10 pounds on that setup, skipping jigs, throwing frogs. I've got the video footage of this, guys. This is not horseshit. Um, I, I can link it all back, send it to Josh here for you. Um, but in the, in the summer on the Delta, I have four surface sticks with multiple frogs, kicking frogs, walking frogs, skipping frogs. I have the DC frog that I designed alongside Jose Chavez for Savage Gear being the best heavy cover skipping frog. The seven foot four faster taper softer tip was difficult to build actually i thought this was going to be one of the easier rods to build for me josh believe it or not and i went back to the drawing board because i wanted more speed out of my cast and more precision to where i i like to hit coffee cup sized targets at about 50 60 foot away skipping um and I wanted that to where I could throw full speed and get the perfect skip and still hit that target. Therefore, I knew if I was going to throw a spinner bait on it, if I was going to skip a jig, throw a swim jig, I can be deadly precise, have the power, and still present it with the speed that I want to skip. But at the same time, I call this a surface stick because I love throwing prop baits on it, plopper style baits, um, double buzz bait I throw on it all the time, spooks I throw on it all the time and the reason why is you need that faster action to do walk the dog right. so my surface stick always has 65 pound braid on it and if you're hearing me say 65 pound braid isn't that overkill it's braid it's on the surface or you're skipping into heavier dirty water conditions it's not a 30 pound braid is not any more sporting than 65 pound braid the guarantee that you get with 65 pound braid is when I yank a bass out over the top of a boat dock or I throw it around a cable, skip a frog back on a boat dock, I will wrench him around that cable over that tree, over the top of that boat dock on 65 with all the confidence in the world. I can pull them out of trees, skip my jig through a tree that you can't see on the other side. And when I feel that big, I know I can hit them with everything I have and move them forward and rip the branches off on the way in. Um, now, if I am going to use it for skipping a jig in cleaner water conditions, or if I'm going to throw a spinner bait on it, this is where I will top shot. But those are much closer casts to where I'll do that top shot leader like we spoke of, and mm -hmm. I'll throw 20-pound to 17-pound fluorocarbon with about 80 feet of top shot. So therefore, Jeez. I am using clear line at that point but okay. i still have that braid on there all right so you i use a lot of straight braids am, am i criminal for that absolutely not okay because I, 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 I when i do my chatter base my spinner baits you know i use a lot of straight braid i, just, I don't know why like i don't for one i already said earlier i don't like doing a lot of tie on i don't like having that breaking point i don't know if that's just a weird yeah. myth but like i feel comfortable with braid i love the feeling of braid when, when i'm fishing those kind of conditions uh -huh. and 
don't know. Some people are against it. You're another. You're the second person I've talked about lines with, and you like to do like a leader to braid too, even with uh, like chatterbaits yeah. and um, spinnerbaits. So. Yes, absolutely, I do. Um, now, if if I can't see deeper than three feet, I would be an idiot to tell you that fluorocarbon's any better than braid. Okay, so you're just really going if off the visibility. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. All right, cool. Yeah. Now, one thing where you do um, sensitivity of touching grass with braid is you get way more sensitivity. Uh, yeah. Fluorocarbon, you get a lot too, but nothing is more sensitive than braid. There's point 0.03% stretch in braid, where the best fluorocarbon is like 6% stretch. So if you make a 100-foot cast, we're talking about less than a third of a foot versus six feet of stretch. So the braid is more sensitive. Also, the braid's going to rip out of grass better to where if you're snapping your rod tip, it's going to tear grass free. Therefore, your bait's not going to drag the grass as often. This is why when you see me throwing with fluorocarbon, like I'll drop it and bam, fast. I'll rip it really fast. Whereas braid, I won't have to rip nearly as fast to clear the grass off those hooks. But once again, if I could see deeper than three feet, I feel like fluorocarbon is going to outperform the braid uh, bites-wise. Bite-wise. Okay. Mm-hmm. Give me one second. I'm, I'm a grass only. I want to ask you while we're on the uh, the surface rod. A certain yeah. one. Because this, this, I know you fish a lot of P-line. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I got it from P line. I've been fishing it. I fished it a lot last year, but the uh, the cop the copy polymer. Am I saying it right? Copolymer. Uh, copolymer line. What do you think about that? I've been using it for like cause when I read about it. It has um, it's like an in between mono and uh, braid. Like it has like the stretch of one, but it, and it floats like the other. So mm-hmm. it seemed like it was pretty good for a lot of like a lot of your like your top water um your top water so- lures. Yeah, I'll explain to your viewers um, what copolymer is. So a long time ago, we had 100% nylon baselines, okay? That's what monofilament is. Monofilament is an extraction of nylon. Therefore, nylon has a lot of microscopic holes in it. This is why when you're using mono, it seems like your line's picking up a lot of water, whereas 100% fluorocarbon is smooth like glass and does not pick up water versus like braid picks up a ton of water. This is all with holes in your line. Now, what copolymer is, pretty much every single line we fish nowadays, even line that says monofilament, is copolymer. Copolymer is nylon extracted line with fluorocarbon crystals embedded into the nylon. Okay, So it takes some of the properties of fluorocarbon and it mixes it into the nylon. So therefore, you can make that mono sink. You can make that mono more durable like fluorocarbon, but it is much more cost-effective for these companies to make that. For example, um, P-Line has CXX, which is a copolymer, super high abrasion copolymer. Now, you would hear people refer to it as monofilament copolymer. It's essentially the same thing nowadays. I don't think anybody's making a straight-up 100% mono because it's way too stretchy. (laughs) um yeah no people be like what is wrong with this line um so the cheapest line you can possibly get is going to be the one that's closer to 100 percent nylon which is real mono so what happens is the cxx 
has all the super strong abate abrasion resistant. But the thing is, it floats. So a lot of the big swim bait guys use the clear P-Line CXX. Like, for example, the 12-pound CXX breaks at like 13.5 pounds. So this stuff is just crazy durable. It handles rocks really well. It's affordable, but the line memory tends to be a little bit stiffer to where if you were going to use 15, I would say use 12. Um, but it lasts a long time on a spool too. Uh, too. So if you're a beginner, um, you may want to try CXX, but don't try it in, in as heavy a line as I'm recommending. Uh, go down a line weight. It's a okay. great affordable line to learn with. Um, but what happens is when someone says copolymer, there are so many different versions of it. They can make it float. They can make it sink. Right. Uh, they can make it more stretchy. They can make fluorocarbon has um, non-reflective properties to it. They can make a line that's virtually more invisible like fluorocarbon uh, and coat all of the nylon with it. Like the, uh, what's it called? Fluoroclear, P-Line Fluoroclear is a very slick feel. Um, sinks well, is great for like stream fishing for little trout. And that's because it's coated to be more invisible and a thinner line diameter. So when someone says copolymer, there's a million different options. Yeah. So this is where you want to be careful and read the box. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I was mm -hmm. just curious. Well, you know, P-Line's like that. P-Line, like, when you try, like, I love P-Line, but when you go look at their website and you're trying to figure out what you want, you know, and I'm trying to make these big orders, I'm just like, well, what does this mean? <laughs> there's, like, there's like six different fluoro things that they got going on. They got, I mean, so it's, I don't mean, know. I've been using the, uh, the copolymer for, like, a while now, and I liked it. I didn't have any problems with it, but I was just curious because uh, right now the only the only purpose I found with it was the uh, the top was the top water just because of the uh, the ability to to float. Um, mm -hmm. when I was doing like my buzz baits, uh, not my buzz baits, like uh, whatever, whatever, like uh, just just top water lures in general. Sure. Like they they, they just it just seemed it just seemed to have a better, you know, obviously besides braid, it seemed to work really good. So I was just yeah, curious. The only other line I use for topwater except for braid, when you see me throwing topwater, 95% of the time, it is 65-pound braid, even okay. if it's a small bait. The only time, if it's gin clear, post-spawn, the water's clear, I will throw 10-pound uh, CXX, which is copolymer and clear, to like my poppers or small spooks. Um, this is when bluegills start bedding and bass start really, really focusing on small topwater baits, like okay. poppers, and they will literally stop and look at it for five seconds before they eat it. Um, that's the only time I'll use those lines for topwater. Now, I get it. Braid's expensive. Um, if you guys got a whole bunch of topwater baits, aside from a frog, you can pretty much throw any topwater bait, top bait you want on the CXX, which is the copolymer. Um, so go for it. Absolutely okay. fine. Cool, yeah. man. Appreciate it. It's not, right, not going to hurt you unless you're dragging them over a sharp dock or something. Right, right. <laughs> so uh, the last one, the uh, the heaviest rod you guys got, the uh, power stick. Power yes. stick. Right, I mean, it's simple to me. I uh, 65 braid. Maybe uh, maybe I'll go up to 80 depending. I use it for uh, punching. Um, I guess now you can use it for A-rigs and things like that. But uh, it, that, that was my workhorse. That was my flipping and my punching uh, stick. Yeah, it's a seven foot six, guys, heavy power. This is also a moderate fast taper. They're all moderate fast tapers except the reaction stick, which is a moderate, which is a little softer taper, um, and the surface stick, which is much more of a fast taper uh, with an extra soft tip in the end. 
Right. Now, the reason why uh, the seven foot six moderate, uh, moderate fast taper on the power stick is so critical. I actually had that rod when I was prototyping it in a slightly faster action. It's not quite moderate fast, but it's not quite fast. It's this very specialized blank. Uh, this was this rod uh, was was ridiculously expensive to develop uh, because I wanted to throw an Alabama rig. I wanted to throw a HUD style bait. I wanted to be able to punch. Um, I wanted to be able to throw giant rats on it, topwater rats. And a topwater rat does not land in a normal topwater category. I've got rats I don't even know if you can see up there that are near 10 ounces. Um, they're, they're heavy. They're very, very heavy. Um, you know, these are 12, 15 inch long baits. Uh, but I live on areas where a bass will eat that in the evening. Um, I know that doesn't happen everywhere, <laughs> but believe it or not, if, uh, if you guys ever want to try throwing big swim baits, throw a big rat, no matter where you live in the country. If there's grass touching a shoreline, there is rats around there. Um, instead of throwing a big trout looking lure, or if your lake doesn't have trout, gar guaranteed your lake has big rats. <laughs> so that's where you need to start in the swim bait category, big rats, big bait yeah. category. No, the power stick, um, it was difficult to get the perfect rod for an Alabama rig to punch and throw big swim baits. I throw five and six ounce uh, swim baits all the time on the power stick. Big boot tail swim baits. Um, I've thrown, I throw the eight inch pulse tail, which is similar to a HUD um, all the time, probably every other day in the wintertime. Uh, sticking big bass, sticking big stripers too, honestly. And then the A-Rig, you need to be able to throw. And with the A-Rig, the reason why you can't have a fast action rod is it's almost like a buzz bait. And if you try casting a buzz bait into the wind, if you instantly jolt your rod tip, it goes, <laughs> and you get a vicious backlash. Yeah. You have to have some cushion to develop speed throughout your cast. And it's, it's like a, uh, if you look at a catapult, the pressure, the speed, the momentum it develops to throw is different than a baseball impacting uh, the bat impacting a baseball. You get what I'm saying there? Right. And the faster you go, you're doing that. It's like you're snapping. It's more of like a bat impacting a ball, the faster the taper. Whereas the more moderate the taper is that more uh, catapult style developing momentum to throw it farther without impacting the rod therefore you can start to get the props moving you can start to throw an abnormally large bait into the wind like throwing a glide bait into the wind on a fast action rod is very difficult you'll notice like it starts doing helicopters and you're like what the hell <laughs> but if you have a moderate uh, moderate or more moderate fast style rod like the power stick as you're as you're going to cast that bait's already finding the momentum, finding the way it's going to fly into the wind, and you'll have less of that helicoptering uh, with big glide baits. And a lot of people just aren't aware of this because they just don't fish every freaking day, and I get it. I absolutely get it. Uh, the power stick is, is another one that in the wintertime, I'll generally have two on the deck. In the summertime, I'll have two on the deck. I'll have uh, one for punching and one for throwing a big, uh, big weight bait or a big glide bait. Or big uh, jackal Mikey or, or a rat hooked onto it. You know, and you can see there's times where you may need two or three of those or you're going punching all day. You know, you, know, you can't have a, 
a big weight bait tied on and a punch rig. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, yeah. Unless you have the two rods. So, yes, I get it when people say six rods doesn't do everything, but it can. You just got to cut it off and tie on another bait. Well, that's what I'm saying. But, that, at the same time. but, you know, like being a kayak angler, like I said, like, I'm a, I mean, being crazy, I might be able to get 12 rods on my kayak, maybe. Yeah, that's um, But that's, uh, that's not what space effectively or efficiently i mean like, you know so you know six eight rods you know um that's it and so you, you gotta ha- you know I'm, I'm learning you gotta have rods that can do multiple purposes and like the thing is well i think i can't remember who told me that. i think one of the things i'm changing up you know because i'm going out with less rods is that you know now i'm, gonna, I'm probably gonna invest in more reels this uh-huh. year than i have before because now i'm thinking okay well if, to make this rod work the way I want it to work, maybe I might need to change the line on it. So, yeah, you know, put a, put a different reel with a different line on it and things like that. But that, but I think it's just the way I'm gonna have to do it this year because I mean I need more, I need I need, I, I need to make more happen with less if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I, I it absolutely makes a ton of sense. And I'll tell you the the there's a couple spare reels that I do carry, Josh. So. I do have, and I'll actually show you this. Your viewers probably can't see it. Um, oh, it's actually in my house. I have a number three with a blue reel, okay? If you ever see me landing a fish with that blue reel, that blue bait caster, that's the one with the 10-pound CXX. Okay. And the reason why is that reel is dedicated to small top waters and clear water where the bass are analyzing the bait. Yeah. And that's why I have that reel. And that one stays under the deck. I don't leave that on my number three. Unless that situation comes up, I'll cut off my bait, reel my line into my reel, or wrap it around my handle, and I'll switch that reel out. And I'll switch it with the other reel. I'll take my 12-pound fluorocarbon, put it away for that 12-pound floating CXX. Right. Just for that situation. Uh, Another situation I'll sometimes do, but is pretty rare, on the number five, I will carry a spool of 17-pound fluorocarbon if I don't feel like tying on a leader. If I'm, like, skipping jigs all day long, then I'll throw, I'll throw a straight fluorocarbon, and I'll put that reel on. And then there's only one other variation for my power stick reel. So I have three extra reels spooled up. Now, on my power stick, if I'm traveling, this is the only time I do this, Okay. I will have 80-pound braid for punching, and then I'll have another reel with 20-pound fluorocarbon for my big swim baits, my Alabama rig. Uh, my punch rig, 80-pound braid, also works great for big topwaters, giant topwaters, lunker punkers, uh, big rats. That's what's also great on the power stick. So either one of those has me covered on that exact same rod. Where I don't need to bring two of those rods, I could just bring two reels. And no matter what situation I run into, I'm covered. So this way right here, with three extra reels, you can take a set of six in any single scenario you run into. You're 100% right. covered. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's the Ross. So that's what I really want to talk about. And, and so let me ask you this, because uh, you know, not everyone has the uh, the time on the water that you have, you know, who's, mm-hmm. who's there and who's had time to, like, whatever you do, scientifically analyze and, you know, and, and figure this shit out the way you have. What would you say to, like, just – you know, someone here to, you know, someone that beginning, medi- you know, a medium area, you know, space of, because like the hardest part for me is like right now is, is matching things up, like using the right line for the right reel, for the right rod, you know, for the right, for the get the job done. 
you know, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you would say, you know, with the rods that you have and things like that, like like the setups, like the, you know, like a, a simple setup, you know, the rod, the line, and you know, and, and the lure. So when people, you know, because like I said it's, it's it's confusing when you're when you're when you're new to the sport because everyone's telling you everyone, everyone's saying break to this yeah. and you know this to that. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like Jesus Christ. Next thing you know, you're thousand of dollars in debt. Your wife's leaving you because you thought you had a fishing <laughs> career, and it's just bullshit. So what would you say? Like, like give a, give us get some simple setups, man. So what I want you guys to start off with is you don't need to be a master tomorrow. And, and let me tell you this. It does not matter. I want, you to, I want you to really think about bass fishing this way. We are all doing this for fun. Uh, don't think because I post some 12-pound bass that I'm somehow the world's greatest fisherman and, and this is a popularity contest and you need to go post big bass too. I'm doing this for fun. I, if I never catch another 10 plus pound bass in my career of fishing, I don't care. I'll catch three, five, sixes. I don't know, whatever. I'm having fun. Okay. This ultimately has to be about fun for you. What happens is a lot of guys start taking it too serious and I call them killjoys. Okay. <laughs> they are killing the joy or they're being too competitive or they're going around hating on other people's fish pitchers. And someone's like, here's a nice four pounder I got. And they're like, that's a two pounder. Who cares? Shut right. your ass up. Shut your ass up because now you're being a hater and you're being a killjoy and you are ruining it for yourself and everyone else. Ultimately, we are on the same page. We're all outdoorsmen that love fishing. Pick one lure at a time. All right. When I say one lure at a time, you have to look up what's kind of good for that time of year. For example, wherever you live in the country right now, um, it's it's pretty much going to be cold unless you live in the southern part of the United States. Um, ice fishing in the northern uh, central United States, you can do some cold water fishing like me. Uh, blade baits work great. Um, spinner baits can work great down to 50 degrees. Um, this is where you're going to need to know your water temperature. I'm not talking about outside temperature. So if you're just getting into bass fishing right now, Learn either the drop shot, learn the Ned rig. If you want to learn a moving bait, um, maybe if you're on, if you're on the bank, I'm going to say a, a spinner bait or a blade bait. And what a blade bait is, it's essentially a lipless crankbait. Oh, um, it's it's made out of pure metal. Okay, guys, a head and sonar or a silver buddy. It looks like a lipless crankbait with just n- no mass to it. It's just a thin piece of metal. When it's cold, the bass generally don't want to target very hard-moving baits. So a Ned Rig, a small plastic, learn it and commit to it and fish it. Um, jerk baits work really well. So kind of ask around for what's fishing in your area. If you have cleaner water, cold water, you know, below 50 Jerk bait's going to work well. Blade bait's going to work well. Ned rig's going to work well. Pick one of these things, as I say, and, and pick like a Ned rig or a drop shot. Take that on one of your spinning setups, and then take like a blade bait and a jerk bait on a bait casting setup, and go spin your next few trips with those. Don't overcomplicate it. Bring a couple of each, and just tell yourself, if I catch them today, that's great. If I don't, I'm going to learn something, and enjoy it. You're fishing for one bite, you're fishing for clues, and you're going to start learning how to establish a pattern. And pay attention to what you're doing. Have fun. Um, if you start saying, oh, the bite sucks out here, and you get in your head like that, that is that is not a good mentality. 
Right. If the bite sucks that day, guess what? It sucks for everybody that day. <laughs> and and there's guys like me who eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff. And I may have caught I may have caught two fish that day where you didn't get bit. But if I'm holding two big ones, you immediately assume, oh man, Nick killed it. No, it's just I had so much information I learned from crappy days like you just experienced because that was me at one time too. That. It looks like I killed it, but no, I figured out how to trick two big dummies into biting, <laughs> and I look like the hero, right. all right? So ultimately, don't take this too serious. Enjoy the information. Learn as you go. Bass fishing is very complicated, but it's also extremely fun when you're learning. Uh, right. I love taking new friends out or, or people that have been bass fishing for a couple of years, and I go, hey, you ever, you ever know about this technique? And they're like, what is that? And I take them out and they whack 30 to 50 fish and they're like, oh my God, this is freaking epic. I love that. Um, I remember those days. I remember those times to where I, I naturally start developing unrealistic expectations for myself. I need to catch a 30 pound bag. 30 pound bag is, that's my goal today. I need to catch an eight plus pounder and I'll stick like two fives and a six and, and I'll catch 30 or 40 fish that day. And I'm coming back like, nah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And then I'll run into multiple boats at the ramp that said, you know, oh, yeah, we caught a three pounder. Oh, he caught a four. Right. And they're stoked and they're thrilled. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with me? Right. I got my head up my ass. I had a fantastic day to anyone's standards. And I'm just developing naturally start developing these expectations that I can do better and I can do better. But I have to remember, it's great any day you get on the water whether you catch them or not. Uh, I went out today and did this challenge, vertical fishing only. I boated three fish. Um, very, very difficult. Um, anytime I casted to the bank and threw a drop shot, I, I, got, I hooked up immediately. I knew where the active fish were, but me and Josh Paris, my friend that guides out here on the Mother Low Lakes in Northern California, we did this challenge. And vertical fishing was insanely tough today. We we're going to catch 10 keepers on three different style vertical baits only. And so we can only fish up and down. We can't cast out Jeez. from the boat straight dropping below the boat. And that was it. Only a fish you can see on the graph that you can fish for. If you don't see a fish on the graph, you cannot drop your bait. Yeah, that sounds so much fun, Nick. <laughs> it, it's challenging. And I'll tell you what, um, we got our ass kicked. We ended up getting nine nine fish and on two different baits in the last two hours we tried to get them on a different bait didn't work out and, and we lost the challenge but i'll tell you what stuff that i thought would work that day didn't work and these are thoughts that i would have had in the back of my head if if i was just fishing how i knew i could catch them this is how new techniques come about you try something new you do something different you challenge yourself to try something different like big swim baits, you hear guys talking about this all the time. If I'm going out throwing big swim baits, Josh, I will only bring big swim baits. Hmm. That's it. Because I know, oh, in the back of my mind, this will work, that will work. Nope, I have to stay committed. And so I stayed committed to this challenge. Granted, we lost, but I did figure out some trickery on some other types of patterns where I looked at the fish on the graph, I looked at the bait fish, I looked at the way the, the fish were behaving, and tried different things and ultimately picked up a couple other clues where I, that I didn't think were going to work that did work because I challenged myself to this. Right. And it was fun. I know I could have crushed him today doing other things, 
but I ended up like getting my ass kicked, but it was kind of cool at yeah. the same time, you know, because it yeah. was something different. Right. It gives you something to talk about in your video. I mean, it's you, you can't you can't you can't win all the time. Sometimes you gotta, you know, I mean, I I mean, not, I wouldn't call it failure, but uh, whatever complications or uh, whatever. I mean, it, it builds character and it builds you know better skills. So mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer in. The tough days build better anglers. Yeah, and I agree I, with that 100%. I'm 100% there. I, if I would have, if I go out and I start whacking them immediately, I, I, I'll challenge you this, Josh. On the days you pick up a square bill, okay, or a chatterbait, you're out there on your kayak, you're paddling down the bank, you catch three good ones in a row, you're like, man, the square bill is on fire. Killing it. And then you just keep throwing that same one. But you had four other square bills in your box. Did you tie on a different one because you just caught three big ones on that same one? Or did you just keep going? I just kept going. You just kept going. Did you analyze if they ate it by the head first? Did they get the front hook or the back hook? I could tell you. You don't remember, right? <laughs> no. You don't remember. And that's what happens. When you are having so much fun. You don't analyze as much as you do as when it's right. That's a good point. And there could have been like, it could have been like a crawdad, like a, a dark reddish black. And you may have had a reddish Brown in your box and you were hooking them all on the back hook, or you went down that bank and you, and you felt two of them hit it, but you caught three. Now what I call as a milk run is where you go back through and try it again. And then if you switch to that red and Brown, that milk run could have produced you those two more short strikes and caught those. And that's what separates experts versus your weekend warriors guys is trying to always acquire clues on the good days and the bad days and try something different. I can go out there every time and try to catch the five biggest bass and I can, I can be an Instagram hoe and show off my big fish <laughs> 24 7 for you guys and do my fish twerk videos yeah yeah <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe a little fish brawl a little fish brawl action for you i'll take <laughs> off my top let my beer belly hang hide my man boobs you know all that good stuff for you guys but it, it's i mean what good does that do me what good does it do you guys man i, right. I would i want to learn new tricks new techniques ways to perfect things and share it yeah that's the best part about this game it's mother nature's chess game Absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's wrap this thing up. It's what, what what you got coming up, man. Um, for me, the season's over with. I'm just waiting for some sunshine, to, you know, to come in through, to come through. Uh, what do you got coming up in the next few months? So in the next few months, um, there's a new big uh, swim bait that's coming out by Savage Gear. It's the Ready to Fish Pulse Tail. It's like a trout. It's an eight inch, ten inch, and six inch trout that has a stinger hook on the back and a top hook, similar similar to looking to a HUD um, and I'm getting those new prototypes coming up. So I'm going to be going to target giants. I'm going to be fishing for one to two bites a day, uh, probably for my next 10 trips, um, which is very tedious, uh, which is super mathematical and have to remain focused at all times. I'm going to catalog those trips. Um, there's going to be multiple days where I will not hook a single one. And I have to go away and go get my Burger King on the way home and be happy if I truly put in the effort and made the changes and made the adjustments along the way to catch a trophy 
on a new style bait. Um, I'm also going to be doing some more wintertime tactics and tutorials on the Informative Fisherman channel. Um, I just did an interview with Boyd Duckett, the uh, owner of Major League Fishing. Um, we had a discussion on different lipless crankbaits in the wintertime. Um, so that's interesting. That's on the uh, Informative Fisherman Facebook and YouTube. Um, I do have a float and fly video that I just did on the same lake where I went back today and did the vertical fishing challenge at New Maloney's in Northern California. Uh, it's pretty entertaining. That was all chess cam footage, but uh, I'm going to be posting a ton of stuff, tutorials, tips, new knots, uh, new techniques. And sometimes I'll do beginner videos, guys, uh, to help out. And sometimes I'm going to give you the single most advanced video you've ever seen. Um, do not get intimidated by it. Sit there. Watch it um, unless I'm completely losing you. But what's going to happen is you're going to start learning these techniques. And these small subtleties is what separates the best. I'm going to tell you one tip right now when it comes to watching YouTube videos. And this, this is a weird thing. But a lot of the time people will see a 30-minute video pop up about fishing instructionals. And I've had people comment on 45-minute videos that I make about a subject. And said, you could have said all that in five minutes. <laughs> that that person will never, ever outfish me. Right. Ever. <laughs> because they they are not looking at the details. They want to see a two-minute video that says, cast this chatterbait by grass, reel it near the grass. The end. I, I, how do you think the guys in bass fishing, the highest levels, remain successful and do it for a career? Because they're luckier than the next guy? Absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> this is not a physical fit person's game. This is a mentally fit person's game, guys. That's the best part about this. We can be, you know, we can be slow. You don't have to be athletic. You just have to outthink the next guy. That's right. what's amazing about this. You could do it into your late 60s, early 70s. You know, this is better than golf. That's <laughs> <laughs> a lot better than golf. <laughs> well, cool, man. Is there, anyone, is there anyone you want to thank right now that's making fishing, you know, whatever, whatever plugs you want to do? Uh, sponsors, um, uh, make sure you tell people where they can follow you at, uh, you know, those, yeah, guys, uh, you can follow me at informative fisherman on, uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. I actually do TikTok now. I post a lot of random. All right, let me ask you this. Cause uh, I'm in that weird position. I'm like you, I'm not that young. I didn't grow up with, uh, you know, the first thing I did was MySpace. you know, uh-huh. and yep, so here we too, are, man. you know, yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. I got I got a yeah. podcast and I use Instagram. I don't know about TikTok. I'm, I'm afraid of TikTok. Uh, maybe, I, I think I'm just an old guy looking at TikTok the same way my old dad looked at Facebook and MySpace back in the day. Is TikTok worth the investment? Be honest. Uh, believe it or not, I was just like you and my wife and daughter talked me into it. I got 50,000 followers on there now and I'm just like, wow, this this is kind of cool. So I like it. Check it out. Try it. Okay. If it's not for you, then then leave it. But right. give anything well, a try, well, man. Well, I'm not I'm not dancing for no. I'm just kidding. I'll dance. I'll, well, I'll you dance. Could, for, Josh. I know. Maybe if you dance, I'll follow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish telling people they can follow you and think who you want to think. Yeah. Follow me, Informative Fisherman, and all those channel guys. Uh, you know, thank you, Josh, for having me on, man. I, I don't know how many followers you have, but I could tell you're a good dude. Uh, you're invested in the sport. You're helping others. And I want I want everybody to hear this right now. And this is this is what's really important. Uh, I can I can plug my sponsors and advertisers all day. Uh, you guys will know who the, they are if you follow me. But what I want to really thank is people that are literally sitting down right now listening to this podcast. 
Um, you guys are trying to further our sport. Um, fishing in the outdoor industry are being hurt by a lot of these people that are not taking their kids out to experience this. Um, we need to share the wealth. We need to share the joy of this game. And you're going to often hear me preaching this. And if you're listening to this right now, uh, you sat through a long conversation. Josh is over here making the effort to help you guys out. He's trying to learn at the same time. Uh, that's what I want for everybody. Whether you go out and buy products I endorse, that's entirely up to you. I'm not going to jam anything down anybody's throat. Just like I said with sticksfishing.com, my rod company. Um, if you can afford to buy them, they're superior rods for the price. Um, I put my name on that. I got six months, buy them and try them. But if you can't afford that, look at the rods you own right now and do, like I said, match it up. I just want to see everybody out having a good time. And anytime you guys get the option to bring somebody else into the sport or take a young person out, I know sometimes you'll have your hands full by taking young people out, but make the effort to do it at least a couple times a year. Uh, we need that. We really need that in the sport. We need to get more young people out and more people appreciate Mother Nature. Well, cool, Nick. I appreciate you coming on. I'm going to have you back on because every time – like, dude, all I do is look this shit up and I'll see a video. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, I need to know that a little bit better. You know, like, so uh, there's always there's always some cool shit to talk about. Uh, but I appreciate you coming on. Uh, have a good Christmas. Have a good holidays. And uh, yeah, you too, I'll talk bro. to you in 2021, all right? Yeah, absolutely. Merry Christmas, everybody. All right, bro. Talk to you later. Later.